welcome back to the second episode of Rock the Culture Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Antoine Phillips. You can find me at on Twitter at underscore Antoine Phillips. That's A-N-T-W-A-N Phillips. And I got my guest co-host with me, Charles Blake. It's just your favorite state representative, Charles Blake, always repping. You can always find me on Twitter at Charles J. Blake. Uh, first of all, let's remind the folks what this podcast is all about. This is uh, Rock the Culture. It's conversations and perspective on local news, politics, people's event, and their collective impact on the culture in Little Rock. So that's what we're doing, man. We're rocking the culture, uh, sharing you perspectives on what's going on in our community uh, on a weekly basis. Uh, first thing we need to do, Blake, we got to shout out the people uh, for all the love we didn't receive over the first week. A lot of love all across the nation. You got got feedback from California, New York, Texas. You know, it's been good. You you can always find us on uh, rock, at Rock the Culture on Twitter, at Rock the Culture on Instagram, and, and at Rock the Culture on Facebook. Uh, I appreciate the love from you, and I appreciate everyone listening. Um, we thought that there was a need for this type of perspective and this type of voice as it relates to news and events in our community. And apparently a lot of people agree with us, Blake. Uh, so yes, sir. thank you for all you who tuned in to the first episode. And also give a shout-out always to uh, Arkansas Times. Uh, you know, like my boy Jay-Z said, first of all, you got to thank your connect. So we're, we're thanking Arkansas Times for the platform. And also thank our other connect, Keys to the City TV, for the production, making sure that we uh, sound and look good. So appreciate both of them. But let's get right to the news, Blake. Yes, sir. It's a busy week. And I think the hardest thing going to be on this podcast for us to do is to narrow it down to three news stories. And keep it 15 minutes. It's been a, a long news week. Long news week. A lot happened. Uh, but we want to give you the highlights of the big news. You, you can't start uh, talking about what's going on in Little Rock without starting with what happened at UA Little Rock. Uh, it's been all over the news. It's been uh, reported in Arkansas Times. Uh, shout out to Lindsay and Benji uh, for the Times and Review podcast last Friday. They they touched on it a little bit, but then I think they left it there because they wanted us to pick it up and, and add some different perspective, <laughs> if, if you get what I'm saying. A uh, little background on the event. Uh, so I guess last weekend, uh, the Kyle Omegas and the Pi Kappa Alpha uh, fraternity and sorority were on the party bus at UA Little Rock. Lil Dicky, Chris Brown song, come on. Freaky Friday. You know, how you feel about Freaky Friday? Uh, As a I, track. Just before I, I we felt, get deep. I felt a lot better about it before I saw the video <laughs> this weekend. You know? Okay. It was, uh, it's creative. I like the creativity. Uh, I like, I, I did like, you know, Chris Brown talking to third person about himself, not about himself. You know, that was that was pretty cool, pr- pretty creative. But uh, we, we got a lot of culture vultures, man. Man, it is culture. I like you uh, stealing my phrases. Go ahead, bro. You can have that one. Yeah, I like, you like the, that one? Culture you can, vultures. Yeah. You can have that one. So what happened, uh, the fraternity and sorority members are on a party bus. The Lil Dicky song, Freaky Friday, as Blake mentioned, it's uh, him and Chris Brown. Lil Dicky is a parody rapper. Uh, but actually, it's pretty good lyricist, with all due respect to him. And a part in the song where he pretends to be Chris Brown, and then he says the N-word. I can say, the, can I really say the N-word? That's, right. that's what he said. Right. And I thought you was asking me, can you say it? I was like, you can do it. We want to do it. You can do it. We're not going to do it on a podcast because we're not trying to get fired, you know what I'm saying, exactly. on, the, on the second episode. But he makes the, uh, the quip in the song, can he say the N-word? And then because he's Chris Brown... He lets off about 20 of them. Yep. I didn't count them, but it was like 20. It was a lot. It was a lot. Um, too many. It's too many. So during the uh, this past weekend, two weekends ago, rather, 
the fraternity and sorority, they heard the song came on, they lit. You know, they singing the song, and then when the N-word come on, it gets get super louder. It gets super what, lit. What is it about that, Antoine? We were watching, it, this is not the first time I've seen it. We was watching Kendrick Lamar. Um, we used to watch some people at the, at the Super Bowl. You know, he had a song come on, and, and you know, everybody's singing the song. And as soon as, you know, it gets get to the part where it's a little questionable language, you know, our, our white friends get super-duper excited. And overly excited about about having that that card for the day or, or, or for the song. Right. So that tells you two things in this complicated situation. Uh, first, it tells you that at least there is some respect in in society that you can't say it. The fact that you're getting excited about when you can say it means that you know that you can't say it. You're not it. supposed to say it. You're not supposed to say it. Uh, Tanahisi Coates, a writer for The Atlantic had an interview a few months ago where he talked about this and he said that, in his opinion, the word is off limit to folks who are not black. Mm -hmm. And it's hard for people to accept when you're not black that there's things that other people can do that you can't do. And right or wrong, that's just the way it is. The other people can't use the word. Now, does the video, does it make you mad, Blake? Are you are you upset? What What's your emotional reaction to some white college kids uh, saying the N word you know, a few different times. I'm not upset, you know, because it's it's not like it's a secret. It's it's not like it's the first time or it hasn't happened before. It's here we go again. When when you get to a line where, where when you cross the line between cultural appreciation and cultural appropriation, right? You know what are what are what are you are you saying it because you really want to you really love our culture? You really want to be like us, or are you saying it because you know you're not supposed to? And and that's a big difference. That that is a the huge distinction there. And from my point of view, I, I laughed honestly when I saw the video, the actual video between Lil Dick and Chris oh, Freaky Brown. Friday video. Freaky yeah. Friday. Man, I watched it for the first time last Saturday, and my wife was in the other room and she heard it. She likes the song, and I saw the video for the first time. She said, "Now what's gonna happen when a bunch of white people start singing that part?" She called it, and she called it. Yeah. Shout out to my wife. She called it, and she said, uh, and we talked about it. And Even it was, if she is undermatched. Well, she is not under match. <laughs> Check out my Facebook from Saturday night. Got a photograph where you can see that she, she is, is properly matched. Properly matched. <laughs> She's properly matched. That's an inside joke to uh, the people who tune in to the first episode. Um, but we, we talked about it, and we both recognized that we saw that this could happen because it gives people opportunity to do something that they normally don't do. Mm -hmm. And then when I saw the video, I was laughing because there was a couple people in the video, if you watch it, there's a couple of white dudes in there like, nah, bro, I ain't about I'm to get a, <laughs> I'm not about to get involved in this better. one. And uh, I, I'm on tuition. Right, right. <laughs> know somebody Snapchat. Somebody Snapchat is always going. Always, you know, Always man. going. So you got to be careful. Um, is it wrong for them to do it? Yes. Am I upset about it? This is not where I want to spend my energy as, as a black person. There's a lot of issues in the world that we need to talk about, some of them we're going to talk about today, and I don't want to spend too much of my personal time on this issue. Now, if you attend UA Little Rock... Have, it's, it's a perfect opportunity to, to have that conversation right. on campus for the for administrators, for, for Greek uh, people to come to the table and say, what is wrong with this? Where should we go? We've seen black faces. We've seen the racial chance. We've seen this on, on on campuses. You know, this perfect perfect chance to have that conversation on campus. Right. So we we'll be watching that and see what happens going forward. But it but it kind of you know talking about cultural appropriation and culture vultures. You know, you I, I wouldn't I'd be remiss if, if we if we went on and, and didn't say anything about Taylor Swift. Okay. 
Go ahead then. September from Earth, Wind, and Fire. I mean, some things. Q told me it's some things you just don't. You just don't touch masterpieces, man. You don't go up and try to repaint the Mona Lisa. Right. You don't go and try to remake Pretty Young Thing by by Michael Jackson. Actually, try to remake it. You you don't you don't touch some things. And and September is one of those songs, especially with a banjo. I mean. Let's well, vultures. well, if the people want it, though, apparently she gave her folks what they wanted, right? I'm playing devil's advocate now. Everything ain't for everybody, man. Okay. Everything ain't for everybody. Okay, well, let's leave it right there. Everything ain't for everybody and move on to our next news story. Uh, this this is uh, involving the city of Little Rock and the uh, mayoral race. And I'll just and, get, and city directors' races. And the city directors' races. Give a little bit of the background. Uh, I'm going to... For all my podcast listeners, I'm going to do it like I do in my Sunday school class. Let the class say deep. 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 Because sometimes you got to go deep into this. So what happened, a uh, little background for our listeners. Uh, the mayoral race between Amel Stola and Frank Scott and Warwick Saban, who I filed exploratory committees, has resulted in litigation in which the city has filed a lawsuit against their uh, exploratory committees, Frank Scott and Warwick Sabins, saying that they violated a city ordinance about f- campaign fundraising before a June 1st deadline. So basically, they weren't supposed to, in the eyes of the city, they weren't supposed to raise money until what, July? June 1st. June 1st. But, full disclosure, the mayor had already raised about $80,000 that he had sitting there. He's been serving for 12 years. So they were saying, you know, we're going to take this this state law and have exploratory committees where, where we can raise money two years out and and then transfer it to our campaign when we run. Right. So And, there, and there's a disconnect. So there's a state law that says you can raise money two years out from election. There's a city ordinance that says you can't raise money until June 1st of the election year. So those two laws are in conflict. When laws are in conflict, you go to the courts. Uh, this issue went to the court. Judge Tim Fox decided that uh, the city ordinance did not apply to exploratory campaigns or committees. So Frank Scott and Work Saving could continue to raise funds as they have been doing. As a result, this past Tuesday, uh, the city board members, because this applied to everyone running for a city race, not uh-huh. just the mayor, uh-huh. they asked the city attorney, what does this mean? How does this affect us? And uh, Tom Carpenter, the city attorney, says, you know, I disagree with the judge's ruling, but based on the judge's ruling, everyone can start raising money right away, even though there's a city ordinance saying that, you know, people who are existing uh, incumbents cannot do so. Total reversal, huh? A complete reversal. Complete reversal. One day I told you the sky blue, the next day, sky red. (laughs) Uh, And and that's what happened. And And what I really want to go into... Uh, from a personal perspective, the city board meetings, you can find them online. You go to littlerock.gov. All these videos are there. Every other Tuesday. Every other Tuesday. You can watch and see what's going on with your city board if you're not able to attend in person. And I went and watched this video, and it became apparent to me that this, the discussion between the city board members wasn't necessarily about policy on whether this ordinance preventing money being raised before June 1st is a good policy. This was about politics. Mm -hmm. And it was very obvious from a number of members that, hey, what do we need to do to make sure these two gentlemen, Frank Scott and Warwick Saban, cannot continue to raise money? I mean, that was all the conversation. What do we need to do to make sure that our law is in effect to prevent them from raising money right now? 
And to me, that's where that's where there's an issue. Mm-hmm. If this is good policy, it's good policy, and you fight the good fight, and you say, hey, right is right, whether it's affect us today or it's affect us tomorrow. But when you try to navigate policy, quote-unquote, to certainly affect certain people at a certain time, then it gets a little political. And, and to me, I, I have problems with that. It's very political. Even even the, you know, what, what makes me real upset about the lawsuit is that they spent taxpayer dollars okay. to fight a lawsuit that, that everyone told them before going to the lawsuit that you're not going to win this lawsuit. They fought it anyway. And after they spent taxpayer dollars, now they're saying, you know what, we shouldn't have fought it. Let's 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 do. You can go ahead and do what what we said you couldn't do, anyway. So what are we doing? That's that's the same the same trend that that, that we've seen at at, at uh, city hall for the past eight twelve years. Right, and then that same you said the same thing we've seen is exactly what I took from one of the uh, city director's comments, who said when they were talking about this June first ordinance, and a lot of people believe that June first. If you tell a candidate they cannot raise money until June 1st, that put them at a disadvantage, at a disadvantage yeah. to the person who's already in office. Mm-hmm. So you only have a few months to try to collect funds and build a support. And I heard one of the city directors say, this ordinance has served us well. Mm. And when she said us, I said, who was us? Incumbent protection. Who was in- us? It's not the people protection. of Little Rock. No. Um, and, you know, she's been on the board for a number of years. And obviously it has served her well because she... Been on the board for a number of years. Yeah, there you go. I mean, people who can vote wasn't born when she started on the board. You know what I'm saying? So that that that's a problem. That's that's some of the things that I think it's important to. It's going to affect our community, as we talked about last time. Elections are important. Elections are important. Uh, Primary election May 22nd. General election November 8th. You can start early voting for the primary on May 7th. Remember what affects us on the streets affects us at the Capitol, affects us at City Hall. And in that vein, I know today is the last day to register to vote for the May 22nd primary. Monday, Monday the 23rd. Monday, April 23rd. Today. Today, Monday, April 23rd. Yeah, I'm saying today like everybody's going to listen today. <laughs> That's good point, Blake. Good point. Uh, but on our uh, social media channels, we'll make sure that you have access to uh, voter registration forms where you can just print them out, mail them in, and make sure you register to vote. So, Blake, we're going to leave it there and move on to our last story of the week. Uh, some that hit hit the social media feed that that had the world on fire a little bit. So I'll let you take the lead and tell us tell us what happened. Yes, man. A, a, another good friend of ours, Mr. Osiris Bali, had had a post that went viral uh, on Wednesday, and in the post reads, "This is what it, it's a picture of a of a police officer asking for a license and registration from an African American driver, and his hand is still on his hand is on the gun while he's asking for it for the paperwork." So in the post reads... You know what Jay-Z said, right? What'd he say? He said on 99 Problems, he said, son, do you know what I'm stopping you for? Because I'm doing 55 and a 54. Uh-huh. And I, I'm going to just leave right there. That's just your Jay-Z lyric okay, of the week. Okay, of the week right yep. there. Okay. Yep. <laughs> this is, this is I what told y'all, though, real talk. He got a lyric for everything. Everything. You everything. You he got a lyric it. for everything. Go this ahead. This is what it's like being a black man in America. This brother is getting his license, registration, insurance, paper ready to hand to the cop in broad daylight. And look what the cop already has his hand on, the holster. If you are this scared, find a new career. I mean, seriously, how many cops are killed on traffic stops to even justify this level of fear? So what what, what we have there, and 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 I want to say with post went viral. You got one hundred and sixteen thousand shares. That's viral. Right? Post. That's viral. No, none of my none of my posts have got one hundred sixteen thousand. <laughs> oh, okay. Y'all go ahead and share my post. <laughs> go let me let me go. Let me one get, take two trying to go viral. <laughs> I'm trying to go viral. Go but ahead. The, but the important conversation here is is, is a couple of things. 
the the implicit bias that that happens right. on in police departments. I mean, it's not it's not only public sectors. We we've seen what happened at Starbucks this week. Saw what happened in Waffle House this week. You know, there is a need for implicit bias training at every institution in 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 this country, especially police departments. And I I know they're having some type of training going on now. Uh, with if it's if it's uh, cultural and racial and racial bias, if it's implicit bias, you know, I would like to to for the police department to, to be more transparent about that type of training, about the training they're having for for implicit bias, about the training they're having for traffic stops. You know, and we, we were just having this conversation earlier. If I'm scared when I see the police officer, and it's no reason for me to be scared. I'm, I'm never riding dirty. I'm a state representative. I I know we we pay their taxes, but every time I, I see that blue light or or that black and white car, I I become terrified. I am either I am riding in fear, and and if the police officer is, is walking up to my to my window in fear as well. There's there's a situation that's going to occur. So if if we all knew what kind of training was happening, you know why his, why is his hand on the gun? We will be posting stats stats later on on our on our on our Facebook page about the the number of traffic stops that 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 end uh, fatally. But you know what kind of training is going on at the Little Rock uh, Police Department? Yeah, I was going to jump in there. So you're right. So they actually did a story uh, a week or two ago that the Little Rock Police Department, the city board, approved them to continue diversity training with an outfit from Colorado who's doing annual diversity training with the city of Little Rock Police Department. So that's a great start. Um, We're not knocking them for getting started, but we're saying, um, like Blake said, this applies to all walks of life. Uh, Recently, uh, a lady named Chiquisa Clemens was at Waffle House, Uh you mentioned, my understanding, she asked for uh, plastic silverware. The employees didn't like it. They called the police. She's being very compliant, in my opinion, and, and non-threatening, but she ends up on the floor, you know, wrestled by two police officers. She had a dress on. Her her uh, breasts are exposed during this man, process. Man, man. And that, that goes to the implicit lies that you're talking about. So I, I completely agree. Same, and I, same thing in uh, at Starbucks in Right, Philadelphia. Trump. They they were there. You know, they were there for two minutes. Right, before nine one one was called. Did you know that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, they were there for two minutes before nine one one was called. And that that says a lot about how people view, uh, you know, black folks. Mm-hmm. And in that vein, it's important for a police officer because they are, you know, they they're there to protect the people to have this training. I think it needs to start with them, and I don't think it's just not. It's not only implicit bias and diversity training; it's de-escalation training, yeah. and that's one thing I mentioned. Non-violence men- training. Non-violent training. A thing I mentioned in a, a piece I wrote for the Times a couple of weeks ago. As a lawyer, I have an obligation to take continual legal education hours. I have mm-hmm. to. If mm-hmm. I don't, I get a penalty. If I don't pay the penalty, I lose my license. So if I have those type of requirements on myself as a, and technically I'm an officer of the court as yeah. a lawyer. Why are not actual officers in the street have the same type of requirements where they have to get this type of training? Not It's not a pat on the back. It's like, this is what you do, and we're doing this every year. You're going to learn how to interact with people. You're going to learn how to de- de-escalate situations. We're going to put you in environments where you know how to react appropriately, and you're not afraid. Yeah. And when people are afraid, things happen. Things that's happen. What, that's what you were getting at. And from a legal standpoint, uh, the the test for the police officer is subjective. Mm-hmm. Is what did they feel afraid? And how are you gonna tell someone they're not afraid unless they have been in situations they've been trained to realize this is not a threatening situation. Every, everything doesn't have to involve your hand on your gun. Exactly. 
Um, and it, that's how you restore those community police the, relationships. Those, those trusts, yeah. And and to be fair, we know I'm we're gonna reach out to the to the to to the police department. Right. Try to have someone on here. Would love Chief Bugner to be here if, if he can. If not, whoever he sends over. But but just to to be open, have an honest conversation about the amount of training, what kind of training they're having, what kind of training we 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 feel like they should be having so right and and in that regard in that regard they may be doing more than we know we know and 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 we need to know that and we need to know that exactly and we need to know that well that's your that's your weekend news uh we're getting ready to uh transition to have our special guest this week come on and talk about another important issue that's happening all around the nation uh as it relates to teacher unions uh as it relates to uh us respecting teachers not just in 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 word but also in deed so at this time I, i'm going to introduce tracy ann nelson i'm gonna allow her to get comfortable say hey tracy hey good we, afternoon how well, are you doing i'm doing good well good thank, to see you thank you for uh joining uh the rock the culture podcast thank you for inviting me and um before we get, because I got a, I have a few questions for you, because there are some things I, I don't know that I want to make sure other people know, but how about you give them a little background on what you do sure. professionally, and if they hear a little accent in your voice that comes out from time to time, why don't you explain sure. a little little background, too? Sure. Um, so, I am Tracy Ann Nelson, the Executive Director of the Arkansas Education Association. My accent is Jamaican. I migrated here with my family and went to University of Florida, um, Georgia State for my master's. See, there you go. You hear that? Masters. Masters. See, I told y'all I, told y'all I was going to happen. <laughs> I, I've worked for governor, congressperson, and um, before coming to Arkansas, I was the government relations director for the Georgia Association of Educators, which is the uh, affiliate in Georgia. And when did you come to Arkansas, Tracy? I celebrate three years this month. Three years. Arkansas, love it. Yep. So you you I'm a fi- an Arky. Yeah. You're you're Arky now. <laughs> although just, although people just don't ever say Arky again. Okay, okay, okay. I don't know what does Arky mean. I don't know. <laughs> no, but Susanna always tells me, you need to get your southern together. Your southern accent together. And I'm like, okay, Have you been working on it? You wanna you wanna yeah. give 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 the people a little bit of your southern accent right now. Mm-mm, you're mm-mm, not gonna try it? I, I mean it's certain words, so I'll make sure I said them. You say fixing? Do you say fixing? No, no, I don't you say, say y'all. fixing. No, y'all. No, no. You say you all? I think I do say y'all. There we oh, go. there you go. That was comfortable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that's also Georgia. So yeah. that's not oh. Georgia. Ooh, I heard that Georgia. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about yeah. AEA uh, for people who don't know mm-hmm. Arkansas Education Association, what what is it? What what's the purpose of it? Sure. So the Arkansas Education Association has been around for 149 years. We will celebrate 150 next year, and our goal is to ensure that every child has a great public school in the state. Our members are made up of educators across the state, both teachers and other education support professionals. So bus drivers, nutrition workers, uh, substitutes, anybody who touches a child in a public school um, can be our member. And our goal as we try to work toward excellence for students is also to ensure that the work environment for those people who touch our kids every day academically um, also have an environment that's successful for them to work in. Awesome. so is it fair to characterize uh, AEA as organized labor union? Yes, yes. Yes, yes, just straight. Well, tell the people, some people, mm-hmm. 
I think we learned unions when we were, were little, mm-hmm. and I know they're not as prevalent today as they were 30, 40, 50 years ago. So They've evolved. They mm-hmm. evolved. How have they evolved? So unions, the reason that you and I have a 40-hour work week, although some people, don't, you know, we work more than that, but Yeah, I was saying, I, 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 I don't I, work. I, I wish I was work working 40. just 40. <laughs> I wish I was too. <laughs> but the, the concept of a 40-hour work week, the concept of having health insurance, the concept of having retirement, all of those components came from unions and the belief system that the work environment supposed to help the quality of life of families in our country. And that's that's not unique to our country. It's all across the world. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And um, so we have that definition of unions. And what I see in in the news, and I don't know all the details, but I understand that unions have organized to um, initiate strikes, teacher unions specifically, Mm -hmm. West Virginia, Oklahoma, I think I saw something that they made an agreement to do so in Arizona. They voted to strike in Arizona. So give There's us a some, sure. So, not, yeah, a little beef rundown on, on, okay. on what's, what's happening in the world so as it relates to teacher union. I would say over the last 15 years, maybe 20, there has been a full scale assault on the profession of teaching, but in general on public education. Most um, organizations, most It's one of the biggest um, professions in the country is teaching. And public schools are one of the biggest employers. And also they meet the needs of, in every state it's different, but in Arkansas it's 700,000 children. That are enrolled in public public school. school, Mm -hmm. Which is over 93% of the student population. Um, And in others, you know, in Georgia it's 1.6 million. I mean, I could go on, but I won't. All right, but the point is this. The profession and public schools have been emasculated over a period of time. And in West Virginia, what kicked it off was they had had enough of being disrespected. They had had enough of not having resources in their classrooms to meet the needs of students. Mm -hmm. They had had enough of um, trying to figure out how they're going to make ends meet for students. And they've built a coalition around parents and community to support what kids need. See, and that's an important point to me because we talk about, I use the phrase organized labor. So there's definitely some organization that goes into these teacher strikes, right? They're not just waking up, hey, next no. Monday, let's go to the Capitol. No, and, and um, the West Virginia president um, talked to us at a, in our town hall meeting two weeks ago, and he laid out for us what had gone on for years, which is the decreasing investment in public education from the legislature and and the increasing um, abuse of the profession. And parents got educated. Parents did educational um, pamphleting on courthouses throughout the state with in PTA meetings all around the state. I mean, I I was very um, impressed with the kind of work that went into it. So as a result of not just parents, they went to the legislature and said, look, our teachers need your help. Our teachers need your support because those are our kids in the classroom. Right. And they built a huge coalition with the um, school boards, with the administrators, because everybody feels it when it's not invested in, when public schools are not invested in. And um, they, they decided to do the strike. But understand that when they did, they planned for children. Mm-hmm. 
so that parents had options. They planned food for families so that families still had support that they needed. And as a result, how are you going to fight that? How are you gonna fight that? How are you gonna fight that? <laughs> well, to, to to bring it back to a to a to a local level, yeah, you know, you know, here here in Little Rock, we don't we don't have, have a school, school board, board. Mm-hmm. so and and that and that's a a whole podcast by itself, you know, that, that's, that's something we, that that we we should discuss. But and Antoine's uh, been under and yes, you, he has you too for the entirety of the lack of a school board. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys have showed up at. The state board meetings, talking about it, it's a problem. Mm-hmm. But anyway, go on. Ask what, the question. What, should, <laughs> what are some things? Like I said, it's a whole podcast yeah, by yeah, itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what are some things we should be doing? We should be concerned about here in the state of Arkansas that would that would make mm-hmm. uh, teachers' lives easier. That would make students' lives easier. You know, there, the problem when you don't have a school board in place is that there's no one you can go and talk to that represents your interests, right? Because every board member has a part of the city that they would represent. And what ha- what's happening now is those educators and parents only have the superintendent to go to. Mm-hmm. Well, the superintendent's not accountable to them. The superintendent is accountable to the Department of Education which makes them not really accountable, mm-hmm. right? Because it's more of a dick, dictocracy. Dictocracy. Is that such a word? New word. New, new word. word. <laughs> yeah, Rock the culture. We, we okay, come okay, with new okay, pod, new words, okay, rap okay. lyrics. We try to get in. We, we, all different elements. Dictatorship, then, I should say. <laughs> um, Dictatorship. Pushing the culture forward. Here yeah. <laughs> Let, let's, let's end it here, mm-hmm. um, Tracy, as it relates to uh, the... Arkansas Education Association. I yes. know you talked about the teachers in West Virginia were more concerned about pay. What's the pressing issue for, for teachers in, for, Arkansas? in Arkansas? Um, so the pressing issue that I know is bubbling up is the attempt to undermine the retirement system. Mm. So ATRS, which is the Arkansas Teacher Retirement System, is one of the top 1% performing systems in the country in wow. terms of investment. It's managed by educators. There are two uh, attempts to undermine it. No longer have ha- having somebody else appoint who sits on the board of ATRS other than educators. Okay. Which means that person will not have any vested interest, mm-hmm. right? Because right now it's superintendents, it's principals, it's teachers who sit on ATRS. Right, it's, it's their retirement. It's their retirement. So they're very careful right. about the decisions that they make. And then um, there is a legislator who is talking about changing the foundation of the retirement system. So essentially flipping it into new teachers that come into the profession would opt into a 401k. Well, that undermines the foundation of the retirement system, which would then allow it to gradually crumble. Right. So when you say that, and I I said we're going to leave it there, but the retirement system is set up as as sort of like a pension for the teachers, correct? Mm -hmm. And you're saying that this new proposed legislation would... It hasn't for been new proposed te- yet. It's a discussion. It's a discussion where new teachers wouldn't have these pension benefits. Wouldn't have this retirement that, benefit. They would have the 401k mm-hmm, benefits. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which That's a big not, distinction. Well, and the distinction is defined contribution versus defined benefit. Mm-hmm. 
And that's something that I think we all deal with if you work in the private sector where you're dealing with the 401k and then obviously your whole retirement is at the whim of the market and we can see how a trade war, mm-hmm. missile strike, uh, impacts that. Impacts so that. Everybody, do you know what a retire, uh, um, defined benefit is for Wait, ATRS? Explain it. Okay, so a defined benefit is in the um, policies of the retirement system as it stands you get the average of your two highest or three highest years of salary as your retirement. So you can depend on, you know, whether it's $20,000 a year or $8,000 a year um, as your retirement benefit. So there's a, there's security in the amount of money you amount of money w- that will be available to it's, you. It's defined. It's you defined. Know, you know I'm getting is, $200 a month or I'm getting $500 a month, right? right? As a, Not a 401k where you don't know anything. That's a defined contribution. You only know what you're given. You don't know what you're getting. And and I guess um, as the director of AEA, that's part of the fight for you going forward is to continue to protect those retirement accounts, correct? Yeah, yes, because it is the um, contract made with educators when they accept the terms of their employment is that they have this defined benefit in retirement. And how... what? Last, last thing. You know, I keep doing last, last, last things. Last, because that's the people say I'm supposed to be a preacher, and that's what preachers do all the time. They always have last, last things. Mm -hmm. Um, How can people affect that? I mean, what do parents need to do? What does Blake and I need to do to. One of the most important things is informational picketing, which is making sure families understand the connection between their kids' education and the security of everybody that touches their child in the building. It works in that building, yeah. From the school bus driver to the nutrition worker to the uh, counselor to the teacher, math teacher, English teacher, principal, they all have to feel like they have the support from families, have the support from the legislators, and have the support from the community to do good things for those children. You, you have to take care of the people who are taking care of your kids. That's right. Yeah. And I, I guess people can reach out um, to get, I know your website, y'all updated frequently with news and events. Mm-hmm. Can you give a shout out to your website so people can sure. learn more about Arkansas Education sure. Association. Our website is www.aeaonline.org. AEAonline.org. Well, mm-hmm. Tracy Ann Nelson, we appreciate you Thanks coming. Thanks for having me, Antoine. And Blake. thank you so much, Tracy. You know you're Blakey one of my Blake. favorites, right? Yeah. <laughs> we we at Rock the Culture, we want to make sure that as part of us rocking the culture, that it's informative, that people are educated, and we're having a discussion and perspective about things that affect everyone. Sure. If your kids in sure. public school, it affects you. If your kids are not in public school and you're paying taxes like me, they you. should be in public school. They should be in public school. <laughs> what if you don't have kids like me? So you should have kids and send them to public school. <laughs> I, I, I probably got enough kids for you, though. <laughs> That's a true story. That is a true story. Can I just mention one last thing? Okay. Um, you know, I would remain vigilant about Little Rock School District because if you look across the country at the districts that have been taken over, all the families look like you and I. Mm-hmm. That's a problem to me. So they they cute? Yeah, definitely okay. cute. I think that's what she was Got saying. Got it going on. Cute. <laughs> little brown babies, right? right. And that's, that's right. and that's New Orleans, Philadelphia, mm-hmm. Cleveland, that's Detroit. Right. That's you right. know, those are Little Atlanta. Rock. Atlanta. Atlanta. Little Rock. So. Well, we appreciate you for helping us rock the culture. Thanks for and, having me. And we'll be back next week. Again, you can find us at Rock the Culture at Twitter, 
uh, Rock the Culture uh-oh, IG. On Twitter. Mm-hmm. And you can find me and Blake. I'm underscore Antoine Phillips on Twitter. Under, uh, underscore at Charles J. Blake on Twitter. And thank you again for rocking the culture. See y'all next week. <laughs>